The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Dr. Alan Goldhammer. He's been running the True North Health Center uh, in California for quite some time. You know, it's funny. I was actually telling my mom, I just, I was helping her out with some stuff and I was like, I got to go record this podcast. And you know, I, I look at everybody, like we all put our legs, uh, you know, our pants on one leg at a time and stuff. But like, if I was to have an idol in health, it'd be this guy. Okay. Um, I've been, I've been following you for a long time. I've been sending people to you. And the thing that I appreciate the most is that you're actually really healthy yourself. You have tons of energy. Your cells are vibrating at a high frequency. It exudes from you. And to me, that's like you have – that's it. It's like when, when you have that, then it's like, yeah, you have the, you have the authority to really share stuff with people So because you have, you have results in your own life, right, not to mention the people that you help. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Goldhammer. My pleasure. Awesome. So Health Heroes, today what we're going to be talking about is one of the most exciting topics on the planet when it comes to health. Um, and we're going to talk to you so many things about, you know, the we're going to get into basically water fasting. And we're going to talk about all types of fasting today, but specifically water fasting and what the benefits are. We're going to get into like the history of it, how it can benefit you for weight loss, what it can do for your mental clarity, whether you have cancer you're dealing with. You know, all these things, um, athletes, recovery, all, just there's so many things. And addiction, addiction. Um, that's probably primarily, Alan, most of the people I've talked to, I've, I've tried to send them down to your way for addiction. So I hope I did it the right spot. So we'll have to clear all that up. But um, why don't you just tell us briefly about your backstory and uh, and about the True, True North Health Center and what you're all about, this medically supervised water fasting and why it's not a crazy idea. And it's probably the best thing that people listening could possibly do for their health well we've been doing this work for a long time we started uh, the true north health center in 1984 so this is coming up to 40 years we've had 25,000 patients undergo water fasting at true north health over the years and we see about 1200 people a year uh, currently uh, as this facility has grown and the the thing about fasting that's interesting is it helps undo the consequence of dietary excess. And dietary excess is actually why people are getting fat, sick, and miserable. In our society, there's about 80% of the people that die prematurely have cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure and related conditions, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and uh, cancer, including conditions like lymphoma. And each of those conditions has one thing in common. It's made dramatically worse uh, the higher the amount of fat and particularly visceral fat that people have in their bodies. So the more overweight you are and the more visceral fat you have, the more inflammatory uh, products result. And that's what leads to these diseases. Can you so explain not... what visceral fat is to the layperson, yeah. please? So there's there's two types of fat in your body. One is the normal adipose tissue that you, you're all familiar with. And another is a particular type of fat that accumulates around the abdomen, around the belly and in the organs. And that type of visceral fat tends to have a different metabolic 
relationship to the body and, and it reduces uh, produces products like IL-6 and TNL-alpha and all kinds of inflammatory markers. So the more visceral fat you have, the more inflammation you tend to have, the more inflammation you have, the higher your risk factor for these uh, diseases of dietary excess. So, so this is the AKA, this is the beer belly. This is the, 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 either abdominal fat or the, and the yes. organ related fat. Yes. So it's not surprising that whatever you do that gets rid of fat and visceral fat tends to reduce your risk for say high blood pressure, diabetes, autoimmune disease, and cancer. So dietary control is an effective strategy. Exercise is an effective strategy and fasting is an effective strategy. And no, that's not intuitively obvious. Why would something like fasting, where by definition, a person has to rest to conserve their lean mass and maximize fat loss, and exercise where you're vigorously active, do the same thing metabolically? And it's because both dietary exercise or dietary uh, control, weight, weight loss control and exercise um, have the same net effect, and that's the reduction of fat and visceral fat. So whether you're fasting or you're exercising, both of those behaviors reduce visceral fat. The less visceral fat, the less inflammation, the quicker your body's able to heal itself. It just so happens that fasting on water only in a restful state um, has the highest ratio of visceral fat to fat mobilization that we found. In other words, if after water fasting, the percentage of fat that comes from visceral fat proportionally is higher than it would be, say, with just dietary change or other things. And so the actual ratio is like three to one. So a person that loses, say, 20% of their body fat during a fast, say, of two weeks, may lose 50% or more of their visceral fat. And so it's not surprising that fasting is the most effective way of resolving certain conditions like high blood pressure. For example, we did a study with 174 consecutive patients with high blood pressure. And of those people with high blood pressure, the 174 that underwent fasting, ranging from 5 to 40 days, 174 people achieved normal blood pressure without medication. And in fact, the average effect size was over 60 points in stage three hypertension. We have the largest effects in treating high blood pressure in humans of any study that's ever been done. And we've done essentially nothing. We just rest the person, fast them, and then refeed them on a whole plant food SOS-free diet. If you do that, not only does the blood pressure normalize, but now we've got studies showing that you can actually sustain those uh, results essentially indefinitely. Yeah, I was I, doing research on what you your work and stuff. I and just in general, it looks like like people that are trying to lose weight, um, whether they make dietary changes, an example, or add in exercise, there's only maybe three to five percent sustain that. Whereas you guys, when after somebody had done a water fast, the weight loss was it wasn't it over thirty percent of sustained. Well, actually, we have a study recently uh, treating. We did it with the Mayo Clinic, and it was involving thirty subjects. Uh, with high blood pressure. And so the, what we did is we took those patients, we brought them in and fasted them until their blood pressure was normal. And then the question is, would the blood pressure, first of all, would it normalize? And it did, in fact, in all subjects. And then the question is, could they sustain that blood pressure on a healthy diet? And so we fed them uh, for six weeks and then rechecked them. And sure enough, um, of the 20 nine people that completed the study, 28 people had normal blood pressure without medication. One person required 50% of the dose of medication they had when they started. And then the question was, if these people are then released to free living, they go home, can they sustain their weight loss and their normal blood pressure without medication? And 75% of the follow-up subjects were able to achieve and maintain their weight loss and their 
blood pressure free state without medication. So at least highly motivated people like the kind we see at True North Health Center are capable not only of normalizing their hypertension, eliminating the drugs, but also sustaining that a year later after free living. And that's important because the medications for blood pressure, first of all, they don't work very well at preventing you from dying. They do not reduce your risk of heart attack. They do slightly reduce your risk of stroke, but only for those people with the highest levels of hypertension. And they have a lot of side effects. Common side effects from high blood pressure medication include fatigue, chronic cough, impotence, and also premature death. And so that's one of the reasons why they don't give everybody hypertensive medications. Even though 63% of people over 60 have high blood pressure, you can't just put it in the public water supply because if you give somebody high blood pressure medication that doesn't have sufficiently elevated blood pressure, more people will die from the medication than from the elevated blood pressure. That was actually the definition of uh, hypertension initially was the level at which more people would die from the blood pressure than from the drugs that they use to treat it. Mm. So at the lower levels, more people would die from the drugs. If you have a high enough elevation of blood pressure, the small reduction in stroke is enough to offset the increased risk of death from taking the drugs themselves. Or you could water fast. Well, if you could do what are considered very radical interventions. Radical is from the word radicus, which means root or cause. And what fasting does is it gets to the root or cause of the hypertension, which is the dietary excess and the visceral fat that leads people to have the problem to begin with. Okay. So why don't we just set the stage here and um, we can talk more about different diseases and stuff like that, which I do because I know there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with this, but Let's go through some of the, um, well, first off, the history of fasting. How long has well, fasting you know, been around? Fasting's been around kind of since the beginning of time. In fact, if you go to the Bible, Moses, David, Elijah, and Jesus, you know, fasted for up to 40 days. Um, in fact, we fast patients up to 40 days on water only. And, and I've had people ask me, if we can fast people for 40 days on water only, do we also teach them how to part the Red Sea? I tell them it's all on the wrist. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Um, so yes, not just in the Bible, and, and actually long before that, fasting has been recognized by the Jews, the Jains, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Christians. Virtually every major religion has a tradition of fasting, because fasting changes the way you feel about yourself and the world around you. It may be useful on a, a psycho-spiritual level, but it particularly, from our viewpoint, useful on a physical level, because yeah. it undoes the consequence of dietary excess more efficiently than any other state that we've discovered. Well, the way I've looked at it is whether somebody you know, um, eats a plant-based diet or they have, you know, they're eating meat or anywhere in between potatoes, a chunk of meat, whatever they're eating, the vegetables, sprouts, one of my favorite things. Um, all that converts into glucose, correct? And is burned in the cell for, for fuel. That's one way that we can fuel our body for activities of daily living. The second way is when we fast and after I think it's about 18 hours to 24 hours, the ketones start kicking in and we start burning our own fuel source, our fat. Um, and this is where the water fasting comes in. So that's a another primary fuel source. We have these two primary fuel sources. When we're consuming food is one. And when we're not consuming food, using the fat stored in our body as fuel. And But the cool thing is, is that when we go into that secondary fuel source, or it could be actually, it's one of the, I actually, I consider it one of the primary, not a secondary, they're both primary, and we should be doing both of them. Now the body goes into autophagy, which I'd like you to speak about, starts cleaning up the cells, healing the body, and then, um, uh, and, and, and if you're always consuming food, you're basically not taking advantage of this 
this this superpower. It's like doing surgery without a knife when you're water fasting. And if you looked at it from common sense, you know, take away all the houses and the bridges and the cars and the refrigerators and all this easy access to food, and you're out there in nature trying to get food, you're not going to be getting food every single day. You're living in a cave. There might be a day or two or three you don't you don't have food. And so we're we're my opinion is we are genetically programmed to have these two different primary fuel sources, one of them being the ketones burning our fat and the other one where we're actually consuming food. So it's it's grounded in nature, just like circadian rhythms and how we're programmed into that. What was your what was your comment on that? Well, fasting is a biological adaptation. All the human beings that couldn't fast died. There are no human beings left that can't fast. And fasting essentially is one primary thing, and that's changing the biggest burner of glucose in your body, which is your brain, from burning glucose to burning beta-hydroxybutyric acid, a byproduct of fat metabolism. If human beings couldn't change their brains from burning glucose to burning fat, you could go about a week without eating, and then you would die. Most animals, for example, chimps don't fast. That's why you'll never see chimps wandering away from the tropics, because if spring came late, they would all die. Because mm -hmm. even though their brain is dramatically smaller than ours proportionally, they still burn a lot of glucose, so they wouldn't be able to fast indefinitely. Humans, if we couldn't fast, would last about a week. And, and apparently, early in our in evolution, uh, all the humans that had these bigger brains, as the brains got bigger and bigger, that couldn't fast, died. Because guess what? Spring comes late. Sometimes there's nothing to eat. And because we have such a ridiculously large brain, two and a half times as big, for example, proportionally as a chimp, um, we're particularly vulnerable to not having enough calories because of the brain. Because the brain changes from burning sugar to burning fat, now we can go, the average 70 kilogram male can fast about 70 days. I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying you could yeah. do that. Because that is so much more efficient uh, burning these fat stores, but that only works if the brain is able to convert across. And that's essentially what fasting is. So this fasting business is a biological adaptation that was necessary for humans. All we've done is taken this very natural process and used it in a very unnatural situation. And that's where people have excess dietary intake. In a natural setting, you're in an environment of scarcity. You're struggling to get enough to eat and not get eaten. Most humans, most modern humans uh, did not live to reproduce. They died from starvation, predation, other problems. Only the winners survived. The winners turned out to be your relatives. Your relatives were not the people that died before they reproduced or your genes wouldn't have been passed on. You, yours were the ones that got enough to eat. They didn't get eaten. They lived to reproduce. And they were the ones that had apparently the ability to fast because they could survive those inevitable periods of deprivation. And as a consequence, fasting, natural biological adaptation used in a modern setting where dietary excess in the past never existed. And now we're vulnerable to it. And it's because we process our foods. Humans put chemicals in their feed to make the food taste better to them. And that those chemicals fool the satiety mechanisms in the brain and allow us to overeat. That's why we get fat. It's in a natural setting, you notice there are no obese animals eating natural diet. Even whales are only 9% body fat. They're lean, mean machines, but they just wear the fat on the outside of their body. So the, there's no diet, there's no obesity unless those animals get access to processed foods. And it's just the same thing with humans. Humans on a whole natural food diet would not be overweight. 
that you have to do something to fool the brain's satiety mechanisms to allow you to overeating. What we do as humans is we put these chemicals in our feed. We do it purposely. Those chemicals are salt, oil, and sugar. Salt, oil, and sugar are not food. They're hyper-concentrated food byproducts that are put back into the food to stimulate dopamine production in the brain. Dopamine is the neurochemical associated with pleasure. So the more dopamine, the more pleasure, the more we like the food, the more salt, oil, and sugar, the more the better the food tastes. If you eliminate salt, oil, and sugar from a whole natural foods diet, you eliminate obesity. And we even know at the rate, if, you, if, you're, if you're dealing with males, they're going to lose three pounds a week down to optimum weight. Females, two pounds a week on average down to optimum weight. Women will lose 50% slower because they're energy-conserving fat storage devices, biologically speaking. They're full of estrogen, a fat storage hormone, which if you injected estrogen into males, they would grow breasts and get hips and get fat. If you inject women with enough testosterone, their fat melts off them. But then they get hairy and get cancer and die, so it's probably not a good weight loss strategy. But the point is there's biological differences and those differences are based on very real uh, biological um, differences between, for example, males and females, which is why on average it's harder for females to um, maintain optimum weight compared to males. Well, you're kind of leaning into um, the book you co-authored, The Pleasure Trap, with uh, Dr. Uh, Doug Lyle. And you were talking about, I, <clears throat> I really have, yeah, uh, chemical. So my company, I don't know if you know, it's called Chemical Free Body. Um, I've been on a mission to expose the toxic chemicals in the food, the water, even in the clothing, personal care products and all this stuff, and just get people to vote with their dollars and, and actually buy stuff that's not toxic, um, that doesn't have all that stuff in it. But you're referring to chemicals as salt, oil, and sugar. So I know there's going to well, be some- what they are. Sodium chloride, absolutely. These are chemicals that we put back in the food for example, if you take um, birds and you give them their normal bird chow, they'll get to a certain size. You put these chemicals in their feed, they'll get so fat they can't fly. You give mice or rats, or rodents, uh, normal rat chow, they get to a certain size. Put these chemicals in the feed, they'll gain 49% of their body weight in 60 days. This isn't psychological. This isn't because mommy rat didn't love them enough or daddy rat loved them too much or they had stress of going to work. This is biological. You fool the satiety mechanisms in the brain with these chemicals, they will systematically overeat. They cannot help it because they do not get the normal mechanism to shut down um, <clears throat> hunger, that the, the satiation mechanism is fooled. And then we complicate it because then we give people refined carbohydrates like sugar, which causes the insulin levels to go up and then crash. And then the brain thinks you're starving even though you've got sufficient calories on board and now you're getting cravings and binges and all the stuff that goes along with it. And everybody's trying to blame psychological variables when the psychological variables may be secondary not primary primary variables are actually the biological situations you're triggering with these chemicals that shouldn't be in the diet to begin with because if you take psychologically damaged people but put them on a diet exclusively of whole plant foods they lose weight down to their optimum weight regardless of their psychological distresses if that's the only choices they have where the psychology comes in is it makes it harder to make good choices so mm -hmm. it's not that it's not an important issue it's just it's not important in the way people think it is. They're not damaged goods that are doomed to failure. What they are is people are going to have to work a lot harder in living in an unnatural environment in order to be, be able to thrive and survive. So for the people that are saying, well, I don't eat refined sugar. I don't eat processed sugar. You know, I eat 
banana, lots of fruits and and stuff like that. Or well, I use even, co- coconut, coconut sugar, the stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. what do you, what do you say about to those? Right. Coconut sugar, you know, date sugar. This is sugar, sugar. So the point is, when you take a whole natural food and then you hyper concentrate it by dehydrating it, taking it, fractionating it, processing, it, even taking fruit and say juicing it. You know, you're removing the fiber, you're making yourself more vulnerable. The farther you process the food, the easier it is to fool the brain. So if you want to lose weight, there's one simple way. Eat an exclusively whole plant food diet. Fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. If you want to um, uh, gain weight, then you process the food. You use fruit juices. You use rice flour instead of rice, whole rice. The more you process the food, the easier it is to fool the brain's satiety mechanisms. For example, wheat berries have 500 calories a pound. But you dehydrate them, grind them into flour, make bread out of it. Now you've got 1,500 calories a pound. And that's before you turn it into a butter boat and spread coagulated cowpus all over it. <laughs> so that's uh, true. Um, I was thinking you, it was so funny. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, so we're talking about the sugar. Oh, so and again, for those listening, you have to also understand that fruit today has been hybrid. It's 30 to 50 times sweeter than its origin. So there's that going on. So if you're going to get and lower fruit, in fiber and mineral content, which is why fruitarians will eventually get into trouble. If they're living on fruit only, they're not going to get the mineral concentration. So they're going to d- develop a teeth, nail, hair, emotional volatility, recurrent infections. You've got to get enough green stuff in in order to yep. get people to balance up. That's why we don't advocate a fruitarian diet, for example, as an exclusive diet, even though whole fruit itself may be an important part of the diet. It shouldn't be the exclusive uh, constituency of the diet. Okay, so these chemicals he's talking about are salt, oil, and sugar. So we covered sugar. I guess we're going backwards. Now we'll talk about oil. Um, I had, um, we, I, I've had um, uh, uh, Udo Erasmus on talking about seed oils and stuff like that and trying to clear all that up. So I know a lot of these oils are also processed. So it's basically the same thing. Well, all the- of the oils are processed. Yes. In olive oil. So basically, you get all the fat you need from the fat naturally occurring in a whole plant food diet. You don't need to hyper process it in order to get a concentrated nine calories per gram, um, highly processed oil. And so when you eat oil, the tendency is to get a higher percentage of calories and fat than is ideal. Again, you don't have the normal feedback mechanism. So you're going to overeat. You're going to be fat. Like McDougal says, the fat you eat is the fat you wear. You can do a fat biopsy for a person tell what kind of fat they're eating because it's yeah. so efficiently stored. So what we say is let's not use oils. Let's get the essential fatty acids we need from our whole plant food diet. And some foods like nuts and seeds are so rich that even those we might limit the quantity in order yeah. to be able to you know, maintain uh, optimum health. So we want about 15 to 80% of calories coming from fat, about 10% of calories coming from protein, exclusively plant-based protein from our viewpoint, and the balance coming from complex carbohydrates, but not refined carbohydrates, breads and flour products and sugar products, but whole plant foods, particularly as much vegetable materials as possible. You were, you, did you say 15% for fats? 15 to 18% of calories from okay. fat in these diets. That's if you'll limit nuts and seeds to an ounce a day and not get carried away with the very rich high plant foods. Right. And then the last one to clear up is salt. Um, Dr. Gullhammer, so, I, since I, I started like, like just let, I'm just ad libbing here for somebody like I, 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 you know, I, I, I do Himalayan salt, um, for minerals, What's what's you know, I've got Celtic Celtic sea salt, I've got the salt that was mined under the earth and it has minerals in it. True. What 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 do you say to that? So yeah, you know, these 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 adulterated salts are slightly less damaging because they have other minerals that you know, there's less of it. But the reality is just like you get all the carbohydrates you need from your diet, you know, you need to add sugar. 
and you get all the essential fats you need. You don't need to add oils. You get all the sodium, an essential nutrient from your whole plant food diet. Now, the thing is without sodium, you die. You know, it's essential nutrient. But if you get a little too much of it, you get into problems. For example, a tablespoon of milk is an emetic. You take a little bit more, it, it, there's actually an LD50 on it. It'll kill you. So now obviously people like McDonald's are careful to not put higher than lethal dose in a serving of their product. Otherwise people would be dying in the drive-thrus. But the right. point is you get all the sodium you need from the diet. And you might say, how is it possible that sodium chloride, which has no calories, can make you fat? And what I'm saying is that salt in the diet is one of the major contributing causes of obesity. And the reason is, is because of a process called passive overeating. So what happens if you give animals or humans their fill of anything, say brown rice, you'll eat a certain amount. At some point, you feel satiated or satisfied. You don't want any more. Everything else being equal, you take that same rice and salt it up. You'll eat more before you reach satiety or satiation, which means you will systematically overeat on those foods. And yeah. people say, yeah, because it tastes better. Well, that's what tasting better means, is it stimulates more dopamine production in your brain because of the chemical that's put on the food and it's a drug-like effect. And that's why you get fat and sick. So what we need <laughs> to do is not add salt to the foods and then you'll eat the amount that re you'll, when you reach society naturally and you'll maintain optimum weight. And then you won't have the blood pressure, the congestive heart failure, the non-healing wounds and all the other problems that comes from being poisoned by excess salt in your diet. Yeah. And excess salt in the diet is a major problem as is excess sugar and excess fat. And the result of it is hypertension, diabetes, autoimmune disease, and cancer. That's why people are fat, sick, and miserable. That's why we call it, we wrote the book called The Pleasure Trap, because it stimulates the hidden force that undermines health and happiness. That it's, it's not any more complicated than this. That it, this is very easy to understand. It's just really difficult to change because people are addicts. They're addicted to the artificial stimulation of dopamine in their brain, just like people are addicted to cocaine, alcohol, and caffeine. So it's very difficult to stop because you're not only taking these chemicals to feel good, but you're taking them to avoid feeling very bad, which is the hallmark of addiction and withdrawal. Yeah. When you ask people to stop eating sugar, oil, and salt, it's hard for them, just like it's hard when you tell them to quit smoking, quit drinking, and quit drugging. It's hard to escape the pleasure trap. That's one of the reasons we use fasting, because fasting makes the escape of the pleasure trap more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been all raised with this stuff. Uh, every restaurant you go into has salt on the countertop. 93% uh, of the calories consumed by people in industrialized countries come from animal foods, meat, fish, fowl, eggs, and dairy products, or highly processed pleasure trap chemicals, oil, salt, sugar, and highly processed refined carbohydrates. Only 7% of calories come from fruits and vegetables, and a third of that is potatoes served mostly as French fries and potato chips. Fruits and vegetables are the decoration on the plate. They're not even a statistically significant percentage of the diet of most people living in industrialized countries. And that's why 63% of people are hypertensive, and the, and the vast majority of people become obese or overweight. Yeah. So only 12% of people are metabolically healthy. 12%. Are people who are metabolically healthy. It's a really serious problem. You have an entire society that's kind of collapsing under its own uh, addiction to these chemicals. So if you have, just to point this out, so salt is a mineral, just like iron is a mineral, magnesium, these types of things. And so I want people to think about this. Like, would you put an iron shaker on your food or would you put a magnesium shaker sure. on your food because the plant's going to bring it up through the root system that's where the plant's going to get its salt 
like celery as an example. Celery is loaded with a great organic sodium. We 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 talk about it. We use it in our green juices like that, especially in people in the beginning because it works like a it's almost like an antiseptic on the lymphatic system as you begin the detoxification process. But it's been through the root system of a plant. Well, let's talk about iron as a good example, another mineral. And particularly for males, this is a huge problem, common problem. Iron in males, like that's why you should never be supplementing iron uh, in most males because it'll cause heart disease and lead to all kinds of problems. Um, male, uh, uh, males are only anemic if they're losing iron through blood, stool, there's a problem. And taking iron, not the solution. That's why even multiples have enough iron cumulatively that can increase males' risk for heart disease and other problems. Females have, uh, with menstruation may lose iron, uh, but nonetheless, that, that iron loss is also minimized for people on healthy diets. When they have PCOS and they have hormone imbalances because the estradiol-estradiol conversion is screwed up in their gut because we're eating a bunch of greasy, fatty, slimy, dead, decaying flesh processed foods, then they may develop anemic issues, but the answer generally is not iron supplementation, but correcting the reason why they're losing iron or not absorbing or producing iron adequately. And so taking iron, for example, like taking sodium would also be a health compromising event. In fact, uh, too much minerals in general, uh, there's, they're tying Alzheimer's development and other cognitive changes to mineral supplementation, other problems. You got to be really careful when it comes to supplementation because you can actually do a lot more harm than good. Witness the studies that where they tried to give vitamin A supplements to cancer patients. And they found that consistently, study after study, people given the supplementation died at a higher rate. They had to discontinue the studies because they were killing people in their well-intentioned but misguided attempts to supplement them uh, in these studies. So was, taking was that, supplements you, can actually do more harm than good. You have to be very careful with that. Did you know in that study, did they reference whether that was a, a natural whole food form vitamin A, like from beta carotene or something from a carrot, or was it a synthetic version? Well, usually in the studies, they'll take vitamin A, you know, retinoids in, in supplemental form. You don't get toxicity from eating carrots. Okay. It's, it's taking supplemental forms. Now, um, I'm not aware of them using uh, beta carotene supplementation, but, I, you know, we'd have to look into the, into the paper. So I'm, 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 I definitely know that taking the form of vitamin A that's routinely uh, used in supplementation right. is, is a potential problem. Same thing with vitamin E. Uh, vitamin E, including natural E, in, a, in supplemental forms can be a problem. For people who want to really learn about this, they can read T. Colin Campbell's book, Whole. And he talks a lot about how nutrients work very differently when they're in whole food diets than they do when they're in pill form. And that taking supplements in pill form, you really should treat it with the same kind of respect you do of using any kind of drug. Absolutely. Absolutely. The reason I ask is because since you brought up iron, a long time ago when I first started this work in coaching people, like I've just been, you know, figuring this stuff out as I go. And I just, I believe nature is the solution. There was this gal that had uh, Renault syndrome, which is like a very high form of uh, anemia, basically. And, and her hands would just, even in the summertime, she would get really cold and her hands would like lose blood. And then she'd have to come back in and put it under hot water. It was like a bunch of needles hitting her. She's been going on for like 20 years. Well, we had out, I coached her, helped her with some stuff and, and then I, I did some research on it and I was like, um, are you, are they making you take an iron supplement? She said, yeah. And I go, does it make your tummy sick? And she said, yeah. I said, that's because it's, I think it was like ferrous sulfate or something. It was like, it's basically like she was chewing on a, a railroad tire or a metal bridge. So it was like the way I looked at it, it was like super fine dust of iron where 
it needed to go through the root of a plant where you could actually get it from something like amaranth that has a higher, uh, you know, concentration of it. So we put her on some stuff like that, a couple of different products. One was mine, one was another company, and Dr. CB's actually is Iron Plus product. And um, and within five days, her Renault was gone. Well, yeah, this is a, the answer is you got to not poison people. Some people are being poisoned by proteins like gluten. And they'll get neuropathy secondary that you stop the gluten, they get better. Some are being poisoned by their supplements, you stop the supplements. You know, a lot of the things we do at True North Health Center, people come in just getting them off all their pills and potions, they get well before we even get started. You know, it's, it's yeah. literally well-intentioned, but misguided people giving them the idea that there are problems or deficiencies when in reality, many of the people are suffering as a consequence of dietary excess or toxic excess. And that's where fasting can be so helpful at mobilizing and eliminating all these poisons that people are taking. But some of the benefit is just getting them off all their pills and potions. Because once you get people back to an exclusively whole plant food diet, the body begins to heal itself. Awesome. So it gets the raw materials it needs without the dietary excess. Well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, I want to get into what's going on when people come in, when they come to True North, what the experience is all about. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Alan Goldhammer, and he's been hammering on you, right? Because he loves you. He's putting a lot of love out. He's put a lot of time and effort into what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. Um, and before we get into, like, you know, people coming to you and what it's what the process is all like, um, what, what like, how much of, what's your schedule for fasting? What, what do you do for, you know, yeah, in a day fasting. and a week, in a day and a week and, and a month yeah. and yearly? I hate fasting. Uh, it's very disruptive. You have to rest. You can't play basketball. There's a lot of reasons why I don't like to fast, but I do it every year for at least a week. And I also think, and I practice this and, and recommend that everybody do this. They fast every day for between 12 and 16 hours. Most importantly, not eating three to four hours before you go to sleep at night. By not eating three hours before you go to sleep and then delaying breakfast till you do some vigorous exercise in the morning, um, you get a period of 12 to 16 hours of fasting every day. And there are people like Volta Longo and others that have published research suggesting that even that little bit of fasting every day, cumulatively, day after day after week, can have a fasting mimicking type effect where you get some of the tremendous benefits you get from long-term fasting, but cumulatively, just with that every, every day. It also helps avoid the overeating, eating food before you go to sleep that turns into fat instead of being able to be oxidized, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody should fast every day for 12 to 16 hours. I think that people benefit um, by fasting uh, periodically. Healthy people, we've actually recently published a study looking at healthy people. So people that were metabolically healthy that did fasting and then looked at their uh, the cardiometabolic risk factors. And it turns out, even though these people were supposedly healthy and they were metabolically healthy, didn't have high blood pressure, elevated weight, they actually got additional improvements in their cardiometabolic risk factors that were actually superior to even the sick people. It may be the people that get the most benefit from this periodic fasting are actually healthy people using it preventatively. And it is true. You get tremendous benefit in sick people. As I mentioned before, if you have high blood pressure and you fast, your blood pressure is likely to normalize. 
And then if you're willing to do dangerous and radical things like eat well and exercise, you can sustain those benefits indefinitely. You can lose weight. You can normalize your blood sugar levels. You can normalize your blood pressure. You can get off drugs. You can get out of pain. You can manage autoimmune diseases and you can even reverse conditions like lymphoma. We published a paper in the British Medical Journal with, of a woman with stage three follicular lymphoma that was able to reverse her disease with fasting. We have her a three-year follow-up. We have a 10-year follow-up now. She continues to be cancer-free 10 years later and following a whole plant food SOS-free diet. We actually have a cohort of these cases that we've accumulated that we've now submitted that even more severe cases with stage four metastasizing the bones, pre and post CT scans showing the body is able to heal itself, but what you have to do sometimes is nothing. Yes. And that's essentially what fasting is. So I use fasting preventively. I think that's where it has its bit, that's probably largest utility, but we also use it to help people that are caught in the dietary pleasure trap to escape the pleasure trap, recover their health. So this woman, how the hell did you get that uh, published in the, the, in the British Journal of Medicine? Well, because we were really meticulous. This woman, she'd had a two-year history of progression. She had excisional biopsy. She had uh, was carefully worked out by uh, the oncologist, so there wasn't any question about her diagnosis. Um, when she went to, actually, her doctor and asked her about fasting, he said that she shouldn't fast, that that was criminal quackery. Criminal so, quackery. Criminal quackery. And that diet had nothing to do with lymphoma, and she could eat whatever she wanted. But anyway, she came in, she had stage three lymphoma. She could feel tumors upper and lower extremities. By 21 days of fasting, the tumors were gone. So we sent her back at two months, CT scan, significant improvement. Um, she still had some neutropenia. The doctors still tried to talk her into low white counts. So if they talked, they wanted to do her to do some gentle chemotherapy. She refused. At six months, her counts were normal. At one year, we submitted this one-year follow-up. BMJ published it, but they said, look, maybe she just got lucky. They said, obviously, it was impressive. Two years of progression, 21-day fasting, complete resolution. But maybe it was just coincidental. Why don't you track her for three years? Because most people that are treated medically, will recur it recurs, comes back worse than ever. And that's one of the problems. The treatment doesn't actually make people live longer. And so if that's why they're able to do watchful waiting. It's not considered unethical to you know get them well. So she does the three-year follow-up. She's fine. We submit the article again to BMJ. At first, they refuse it. And then they accept it and they publish it. And then we just got her 10-year follow-up. She's completely cancer-free, whole body CTs. We've done a really good markup. So the point is, it was so compelling. It's very difficult to argue that it's chance. And now, as right. I said, we've done a, we've got a series of case reports that we're publishing. So okay, it actually so that wasn't easy to get it published because there's a lot of reluctance. It's too it's so hard to believe that the body can actually heal itself, but it can't. And it's this is the thing for the listeners out there. Do you guys just remember it's it's about our belief systems, right? What if what you believe to be true turned out not to be true? How soon would you want to know about that? Like yesterday, okay? That's what this show's about here today. You have to open your mind and your heart and start realizing that the power of nature and what this fasting can do. So the she basically is, though, there's a lot of there's a lot of bs out there and people make a lot of claims without supporting it that's why we're trying to publish articles in peer reviewed journals we're trying to do clinical control trials true north health foundation is a 5013c nonprofit research organization if you go to fasting.org which is our fasting companion website you can see um over a dozen papers published in peer reviewed journals that we're responsible for tracking fasting safety, fasting outcome, and high blood pressure, you know, a number of case reports, everything from Hashimoto's thyroiditis to um, seborrheic keratosis, you know, wide variety of conditions, just documenting carefully 
what happens when fasting is applied, what happens when diet and lifestyle is applied. Okay, so just to clear this up, because, you know, this isn't like do a two week water fast and go back to your normal lifestyle that caused the problem in the first <laughs> place. So what did this lady do? She did a She did a two week fast or was it 21 day, 21 day fast? So her first fast was 21 days on water only. And then okay. she was on a whole plant food SOS free diet. So a diet from whole plant foods, fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds, but no meat, fish, fowl, eggs, dairy products, oil, salt, sugar, no coffee, no alcohol, nothing. And I told her she had to stick to the diet strictly or it could be fatal because That's I would track her true. down and kill her. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she believed it, me because she went from 182 <laughs> pounds before she started fasting. She was 174 when we did the fast. She lost 22 pounds during the fast. Then she lost another eight pounds after fasting, sticking to the diet. And then she maintained that 138 pounds three years later. And so it's fasting helped bring her into control and the diet helped maintain that control. And now 10 years later, she still is cancer-free eating a whole plant food SOS-free diet. And we do periodically, we do some fasting now, but now it's preventative. Well, you've obviously stayed in touch with this woman. Um, how's her happiness level? What's she up to? Well, yeah, you know, she's she's doing really well. So, you know, she's got kids she wanted to see raised. She understood that, you know, it was she was motivated by pain, debility, and fear of death, which is a really good motivating factor yeah. in my experience. That's why patients with autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, ankylosing spondylitis, asthma, eczema, psoriasis, these patients are good patients because once they get well, if they don't stick to a healthy diet, their condition starts to recur. Because remember, you're not curing anything. You're just managing it. Like if you took that patient who's been cancer-free for 10 years, put her back on a conventional diet, I, could, I would bet you it wouldn't take very long before we start seeing those lymphoma uh, cancer tumors show up. Because again, you're managing these conditions. It's just like treating obesity. You can lose the weight and keep it off. We've got lots of people who've lost 100 pounds and kept it off. But if you go back to eating greasy, fatty, slimy, dead, decaying flesh, it's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. You're well, not I, we've, cured. You're managed. We've actually seen that with, um, I, I've seen that with a couple people. Um, one lady, she'd healed herself, plant based diet, juicing, all that stuff. And then she started going back and, you know, because she was making her food and then she had to make the food for her husband and her kids. And after a while, she's like, oh, come on, you can have the pizza. You're fine now. And she slowly started working her way back. And then the tumors came back and then it literally killed her. And what I've seen is like when these cancers come back the second time, man, they come back with a vengeance. It seems like they're stronger the second time. And so it becomes even harder to uh, for somebody to heal at that point. OK, well, that's that's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm sure that lady's uh, pretty happy. But the reality is, is that lady worked with you guys and did supervised medical water fasting. You helped her with the diet and everything. But the reality is, is that she did the work. Like you weren't there making the food. Oh, for absolutely. Her. Patients have to do all the work. We just take credit for it. That's all. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> it's a great but, job. You do the work. Yeah. Your body does the healing. We take credit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So that's my point, guys, is like it's, you know, what I always say, you have to get first person experience. Don't blow anything off until you've done that. You have to try it out and see if it works for you. And at the end of the day, it's up to you. Nobody's going to make the juice for you. Nobody's going to educate you on this stuff. You have to do it yourself. I mean, Alan and I are here. We're, we're trying to share this from the bottom of our heart with every vibrational frequency we have in every cell in our body to get you to, to love yourself enough to start looking at things like this and understanding that fasting is powerful. And it is, it's literally so awesome. Because if you look at the entire medical 
model minus you know critical care which is very necessarily needed you could if you if you if we got if it all just vanished today and we did nothing man would we get healthy fast if well, we just had some good water good clean water clear, the people that are suffering today from these conditions of dietary excess the high blood pressure the diabetes the autoimmune disease the chronic pain syndromes the cancer are suffering as we mentioned from dietary excess too much fat and too much visceral fat the inflammatory things that occur yeah so you have to get rid of the cause the excess fat and visceral fat in order to give the body a chance to heal so you can exercise you can eat well or you can you can also use fasting to kind of make it happen quicker but ultimately once you get well you have to stay well that means you have to stay lean and mean it means you have to continue to eat well exercise get enough rest and do these fundamental core mechanisms of healing the natural paths call it nature cure. You have to do these first level therapeutic order interventions. And the problem is medicine doesn't pay any attention to that. These doctors are telling my patients, oh, diet doesn't matter. Why would you think what you put in your mouth has any effect on X, Y, or Z condition? Eat whatever you want to eat. There's no problem there. And so they're, they're giving them bad advice. And then there's the natural health people that say, oh, you have a deficiency. You need a pill or a potion or a powder. Here, let me sell you some bottles of pills now you'll be healthy because that'll correct your supported deficiency. But it's not a deficiency in most cases, it's excess. So but how do you get rid of excess? Stop eating the greasy, fatty, slimy processed foods and start focusing on a whole natural food diet and engaging in exercise and sleep. This is not complicated. It's just difficult. And it's yeah. difficult because people it's are work. addicts. It's hard work and you, we are addicts. I, I, when I talk about that all the time, I'm just a, I was an addict. And now I'm a recovering addict. When you were bringing up the salt on the potato chips, I switched over for healthy plantain chips and they still were dusted in salt. And I literally, I cannot pick up a fucking bag of those things without devour. I can't not eat the whole thing. It's still to this day. So I just, it's like. Well, that's good though. It makes you appreciate what a difficult challenge people have. And think about how hard it would be if you're one, an addict, but two, you don't know that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, if you go up to alcoholics and you say, hey, you know how your life sucks? It's because you're a drunk. <laughs> they don't go, oh, my God, it's the alcohol? I had no idea. Thank you so much for telling me. I just won't drink anymore. Oh, thank you. They don't yeah. do that. They say, find your own effing business because they don't want to hear about it. And if you go yeah. up to people and say, oh, you know, your diet and your life. Oh, yeah. Come on. Go away. Yeah. You're, you're, this salt in your ketchup is killing you. Screw you. All right. So that's awesome. Um, I actually say that almost the exact same thing you said, but I think you did it with more flair and um, energy. So I need, I need to step up. I need to step up my game. Dang it. I finally, I might've met somebody that has more energy than me can actually talk faster than me. I, he is not on 1.5 speed on the settings guys. This is normal. This is normal speed. All right. So to give people some total resolve, cause there's people out there that like, let's get them some of these unbelievable, amazing benefits. Like two days on a water fast will increase human growth hormone 2000%, this type of stuff. Because I literally, I have a guy who's another health pro in town and he's, he's a big bodybuilder. And I was talking about fasting. He's like thinking his muscles are going to waste away. And I said, dude, two days on water fast will increase your HGH, your human growth hormone by 2000. I didn't even say percent. He goes, I'm water fasting. And all of a sudden he was in. So what are all these little, what does it do so to make new brain about, cells yeah. and all? Give us the big list. We've and actually talk done slow some enough, studies. Talk at 1.25 so we can get all this. <laughs> so we've done some studies looking at 
what happens to say body composition, for example, we used a DEXA scanner before and after fasting on a follow-up. And what we learned is that when you go on a fast, you lose weight. Some of that weight is fat and some of that fat is visceral fat. You also lose protein, fiber, glycogen, and water. And then when you come off the fast, you regain weight. But it turns out, if you look at the person, say, at baseline and then at six-week follow-up, their lean tissue at six-week follow-up is higher than it was proportionally at baseline. That what wow. happens is you go on a fast and you're losing water, fiber, glycogen, protein, and fat. And as you come off the fast eating healthily, you regain water, fiber, glycogen, and protein, but not fat. The fat wow. continues to go down. And not only do you lose fat, but there's a three to one ratio of visceral fat to adipose tissue that's lost. So by the end of six weeks, there's a statistically significant reduction in fat and visceral fat, but not lean tissue. Lean tissue is actually higher and bone mass is not detrimentally affected. And in fact, we looked at one, for example, a male fasting for 15 days lost 20% of his total body fat, but 55% of his visceral fat in that time. And then regained the weight, the 4% of lean tissue that was lost was all recovered and then some by six-week follow-up. Now, that also presupposes that people eat a healthy diet afterwards and not go back on the same crappy diets that they were eating before. But the point right, right, is, right. this body composition transformation, it's an old wives' tale. With, oh, you lose fat and you just gain it back. That's not what happens. And we've been able to prove that. We have a paper that's published. You can go to fasting.org and take a look at the paper. Very carefully done. Body composition changes. Um, we also know that there's things that go down in fasting, like glucose and insulin go down in fasting, as does IGF-1, insulin growth factor 1. And the well, lower your I IGF-1, mean, the, the longer you're going to be alive. Um, so fasting for, for the people, for the people for, But for the people that are um, uh, diabetic, like mm -hmm. insulin, like it kind of makes sense. If you stop eating, your body stops producing insulin, right? Well, Maybe you reason, can speak remember, to that because there's so much. diabetics like, make too much insulin, not too little. So type 2 diabetics, which is 95% of diabetics, their problem isn't that they don't make enough insulin. They have too much insulin. It's just it doesn't work because of insulin resistance. And fasting reduces insulin resistance. And so about 80% of type 2 diabetics can achieve normal blood sugar without medication as a result of fasting. They're willing to do the diet and exercise after the fasting. Well, okay? What's the turn time on that average? Because I know it's pretty quick. Well, it depends on how, how high the hemoglobin A1C is. If you start with a hemoglobin A1C less than 10 versus, you know, some of these people are coming in A1Cs of 15 or 17. Some of them will take multiple fasts, depending how fat they are. So, but about, about the time you fast a person down to their optimal weight, you're usually having optimum blood sugar response, and then you don't need to be on medication anymore. Fasting also reduces leptin. And the lower your leptin level is, the lower your inflammation markers are, which is maybe why people that come in with chronic inflammatory pain get out of pain during fasting, one of the markers that changes is leptin levels. Fasting reduces um, mTOR, mammalian targeted rampamycin. The lower your mTOR, the higher your autophagy. And autophagy or self-eating is how the body gets rid of cancer cells and, and degraded cells. In fact, Yoshinori Ashumi in 2016 won the Nobel Prize in medicine for his work on autophagy. And what increases autophagy is fasting. Also, interesting enough, uh, exercise may also increase uh, autophagy as well, which is interesting. Um, What's the comparison exer exercise versus fasting on like, who's the powerhouse there for autophagy? Well, almost everything that you've looked at biomedical changes that improve, bio biochemical changes that improve with exercise also improve with fasting. And so the magnitude will depend on how long you fast, who it is you're dealing uh, with. Right, right, you know, right. Exactly right. who you're talking about. 
Um, but it's interesting, you'll see those same changes in both. In fact, we look to exercise research to kind of test to see how fasting responds. You save a lot of time because it turns out everything you see benefiting in exercise often is also showing up as a consequence of fasting. So again, doing nothing, it's almost, like the, it's almost like the Seinfeld deal. They have a show about nothing. It's like, it's like we do nothing, and that's what, but, that's what it's all about. It's like, yeah, okay, let's do this. I think we, I think we have something Doing nothing here. intelligently. <laughs> yes. One of the things you have to rest when you fast to get the benefit, because if you're too active, because there's no glycogen left, you, the only way you can get glucose to maintain that extra muscle activity or brain activity would be gluconeogenesis, breaking down lean tissue. So the data that I'm giving you is all presupposing that the person's doing fasting properly, which is unresting state, not in an active state. You're not driving a car, you're not going to work, you're not carrying on normal activities during fasting, which is why I told you I hate fasting. Because even though when you're healthy, fasting is a relatively non-traumatic experience, it's pretty easy, you still have to rest. And that's are you telling me? Are you telling me when I'm water fasting, I shouldn't be like doing podcasts and doing brain work like that or should i just stay so out of the gym when you're or doing a long can, I, can, fast, I, can i can i do yoga i mean what can i do can i do yin yoga stretching on 16 hours you're resting so you're not working you're resting now the 16 hours you can do your normal activities that's the whole point can, can i stretch can, can i stretch yeah we do some very gentle activity that's not going to increase uh protein breakdown so we'll do a little yoga a little stretch a little meditation walking walking um not enough to get the heart rate up Okay. So we want you moving around a little bit to avoid the pathology of bed rest, but it, we keep our people in a controlled, it's a closed system contained environment. You're just pretty, you're chilling then. You're not really doing well, a and particularly lot. the longer fast. We have patients fasting up to 40 days on water only. Yeah. So when you go yeah. 40 days, if you don't do it right, you can get into trouble. If you don't fast properly, and if you don't refeed properly, you can get refeeding syndrome and you can die. So it's not a good situation if you don't do it properly. And your mentor was actually taking people to 100-day water fast, but he didn't do any that anymore because of sleep, right? right. Sleep issues? Yeah, his he, own. he told <laughs> me that he used to fast people. His longest fast was 103 days in one gentleman. Uh, but he stopped doing that when I got there. This was 40 years ago because of sleep deprivation. And I asked him, I said, oh, the patients have trouble sleeping after 40 days. He goes, not the patients, me. Because <laughs> after 40 days, it's a little more delicate balance. So longer fast like that, you have to be really careful. Shorter fast, 40 days less, we don't have too many troubles. So we just... What was his name? Alec Burton. Alec Alec Burton. Okay, so Alec just took it down to Jesus level to make it safer. Yeah, well, to make it easier on him so he didn't get sleep deprivation. <laughs> yeah, that's smart because we need our sleep. Okay, keep going. So fasting also decreases inflammation in general, and that's why people come in in so much pain, and we can get them off all their drugs, get them out of pain. And then if they're willing to do the diet, they can often stay out of pain. That's why patients with autoimmune disease often benefit so much from fasting. Because they're not only dealing with the pain of autoimmune disease, but the addiction that comes from the drugs that are used to suppress the immune system. It used to be, you know, when they first introduced prednisone and some of these anti-cancer drugs to treat autoimmune disease, it was like a dream because the pain would go away. And then it became a nightmare because it turns out you need your immune system. And when you shut the immune system down, eventually it blows up in your face and the problems you're dealing with are worse than the original problems you started to treat with the drugs. So instead of suppressing the immune system, what we do is we get rid of the gut leakage that allows the inflammatory markers to trigger the immune system so the body attacks itself. That's what autoimmune disease is, your immune system attacking your tissues, triggered by gut leakage. An inflammatory response that allows protein molecules or, or bacteria or other materials to infiltrate into the, blood, into the system, into the body where the body's immune system reacts. In genetically vulnerable people, that immune system get confused and it will attack your own tissues. For example, if your immune system attacks your colon, 
we call it colitis or Crohn's disease. If it attacks your skin, we call it vasculitis. If it attacks your joints, we call it osteo or rheumatoid arthritis. These itis or inflammatory conditions all are triggered by gut leakage. So the way you get rid of the gut leakage is first get the gut to heal with fasting. And we know that the, it, there's powerful anti-inflammatory effects of fasting. And then stop the inflammation by stopping the dietary factors that cause the inflammation, the free radicals, the smoking that caused the smoker's face, the drinking that caused the cirrhosis of the liver, and the high-fat animal-based foods and sugar and refined carbohydrates that cause the inflammatory process in people's bodies. And so once you stop the diet, you control the condition. Now, the problem is, if you go back to eating the diet that causes the condition, eventually the inflammation comes back and it comes back and now you're back into trouble. So Yeah, I got, I got something to share works. with you. Yeah, so guys, check this out. So I'm I'm about 44 years old at the time. Um, I started trail running, really enjoyed it. But I could only do it hardcore once a week because my knees, I just had inflammation in my knees, probably some type of arthritis, something like that. Then I got a um, uh, a turmeric product, which I always tell people, like, if you take it for pain, that's great, but we're still not addressing the root problem, right? So just know that. And then I got a far infrared sauna, a very specialized one. People know it's episode 161 if you want to go listen to it. Broken natural law. It's kind of a big deal. And between the sauna and that, I could run all every day if I wanted to. Now I'm 50. And what I started noticing, I was working out and stuff, and I, I started getting a little the same thing in my left knee and my elbows. I did a three-day water fast, and 75% of that pain was gone. Now, I did it on my way to my first time to Mountains of Hope up in Medellin, Colombia. And remember, we have a garden there. and We grow all pretty much all of our own food. It's not genetically modified. It's not hybrid. It's a super nutrient-dense soil. We like pick it, and we eat it that day. So I did a three-day water fast followed up by a um, a plant, whole food, plant-based diet. You call it a little bit different. You call it a whole plant. Do I don't call, call it, it plant-based because that just means it's based on plants. We went exclusively whole plant food diet. We don't want to have mostly plants. We want an exclusively whole plant food diet free of salt, oil, and sugar. Okay, Not well, that's what whatever diet with some plants thrown in. So that's what I did. I did a three-day water fast followed up by pure eating. And when I got back, all my knee, elbow, it was gone. There was a little remnant left in my right arm. That was it. Then guess what? I went to this thing called the grocery store and I got a couple things and it was the holidays. And I mean, I made some lentil soup for the holidays with morel mushrooms and stuff like that. But there was a couple little sweet treats and some applesauce and some stuff like Just that. Just enough to flare you up. Dude, it came back. Yeah. It freaking came back. And I'm on day one of my water fast and already... Yeah. I can feel it improving. Yeah. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit. It's the problem is you have to keep off those antagonistic dietary factors because now you're old and you have to suck it up and do the right thing. You yeah. won't get away with it anymore. When you're young, you can get away with some stuff. You start, like, I'm 65 years old. I play basketball four times a week. I'm playing with guys 20, 25 years younger. They're all aging out and falling apart because yeah. of their diet and lifestyle choices. They can't recover from injuries. They're having lots of problems, lots of aches and pains. That's why you don't see very many old people left doing a lot of these more vigorous activities, not because they can't do it. It's because they, they have trouble recovering. That's why a guy at 40 years old can't play in the NBA anymore. He may still have the skill sets, but he doesn't have the recovery capacity unless he's eating well. The few that you see that lasts a long time oftentimes have better habits. Yep, they have much better habits. And so what I realized with the universe was making me 
it's like force. I just started laughing. Like the universe is telling me now that's like sugar's just uh, I have to be very careful of it. I have to. You and that's nothing. the way it is. I'm like, OK, now I'm forced. You forced my hand. I'm yeah. I'm screwed. I can't have it anymore that much because I like feeling good. I do not like being in pain. And um, I got a, I, I knew like you mentioned basketball earlier and I want to talk about it because I hooped for a long time and um, I freaking loved it. But um, I got all my injuries from basketball, not football and baseball, but from basketball. And it was just crazy stuff. So I would I would imagine you're a pretty competitive guy, Alan. Is that a good, uh, correct statement? I, 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 I can compete. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, man. So but I have to say, you know, I'm 65 years old playing basketball. I play differently than I did when I was 45 or 25. Yeah. You know, I've learned to screen out and let the ball come to me rather than jumping. Because, it's you know, in basketball, the big problem is jumping and landing on people's feet Land, and twisting your feet, ankles yeah. and screwing up your knees. So yeah. I've learned to minimize that risk. I've also learned to to guard the guys that shoot outside a lot rather than the ones that try to penetrate. Because those big guys are all underneath there and they're banging into each other. But if you're guarding the guys on the periphery, you can do that a little bit more safely. I've learned to shoot really far out because they can't come and land on you as easily if you're shooting from 23 feet. Than if you're you're trying to drive in and shoot underneath. So I've right. modified my play to adapt to the, you know, limitations of of aging because you definitely age out. You know, there are, there are changes that occur if you're 65. You don't have when you're 25. Yeah, it doesn't mean you still can't be competitive. You can't play. You can't get the exercise. Can't have the fun. And you can try to avoid the injuries. And you're going to get some injuries, but then you recover. And that's the difference between a healthy person. Healthy person still can get injured, but they recover. Yeah. And if you're if you don't if you're not healthy, then the accumulation of the extra wear and tear limits your ability to compete. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, for time's sake, um, this information is so important. We're not done yet. So we're going to wrap up this episode with Dr. Goldhammer. This will be part one. And um, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And uh, please come back for part two, because we're going to get into more of these little cool things like a two day water fast increases your human human growth around 2000 percent. I also want to uh, introduce you to um, the True North uh, Healing Center, give you all that information, and, and finish up our conversation here with Dr. Goldhammer. So until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll see you again real soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>